0: Church family, can we stand together? Come on, we're here to
1: exalt our Lord. In the midst of the flood, ever-living, ever-faithful God, you are Yes, we have our confidence.
0: I have this confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God. Still inside the storm the promise of the shore I trust the power of your word enough to seek your kingdom enough to seek your kingdom first beyond the barren place beyond the ocean
1: waves.
0: our very present help in the time of need. The Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are what? They're safe. They're safe. Amen. We're safe in the presence of God. So good to be with you. I'm Pastor Jelani, one of the pastors here at Grace. Awesome to be worshiping with you, worshiping with our community online. Welcome. So grateful for you to be here. Maybe we can turn in this time to someone and just greet them in the Lord. We got some great weather this is give someone some godly energy of love.
2: history and consider all the sacrifices in every war and I try to grasp it all, come to grips with it, stand in reverence of all those willing to give their lives for something bigger than themselves. I am stunned by the sheer numbers, all those lives, all those families serving their country. I can't always comprehend it. My heart is not big enough to take it all in. That each one didn't come home. What they lost for their service. What we gained for their courage. Today, I stop to remember. Every single number is one soldier. One sailor who got up in the morning and put on a uniform. One Marine who answered the call to fight for freedom. One airman who knew the cost and went anyway. One man or woman who paid the ultimate price for many. And the freedom I live in now. Today, I remember.
3: Welcome to Grace Church on this Memorial Day weekend. We do take a moment to honor those who paid the ultimate price to protect the freedoms that we do have here, one of those including the freedom to worship together this morning. My name is Josiah. I'm the pastor of Young Adult Ministries here at Grace Church.
4: And my name's Hope. I'm the production resident here at Grace Church.
3: Congrats on finishing one full year of the residency program.
4: Thank you. I can't believe it. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I want to, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. I want to sneak in a quick invitation to anybody 18 to 30 years old to join us for the Young Adults group we have every Wednesday night. We have a great time, 7 o'clock.
4: Yeah, and <laughs> even though our pastor doesn't fit in the 18 to 30 year old hey. thing, I'm sorry. <laughs> we still have a great time and we have a great community. We'd love for you to join us. You
3: sold me out. Okay. <laughs>
4: uh,
3: our mission here at Grace is to exalt Jesus Christ by making disciples who love Jesus, grow with others, and serve the world. And we have a few opportunities to share with you about ways that you can do that. Love, grow, and serve this summer.
4: Part of loving Jesus is living a life where you worship him in all of his goodness. And next week, on June 8th, our Grace Worship team is celebrating the release of their first original worship album. Yeah, we'd love for you guys to be joining us at the Olmstead Falls campus as we celebrate and worship God for this wonderful time. And we're also gonna be featuring some talented student worship leaders as well. So join us next week at 7 p.m. at the Olmstead Falls campus, and I'll be running the merch table. You can get t-shirts and CDs. It's gonna be a great time.
3: Can't wait. One, One way to stay in a worshipful state is to celebrate the stories that God is writing in people's lives. A week, from next, a week from Sunday, also at the Olmstead Falls campus, we're gonna be hearing from the Harrington family, a whole family who just spent three whole months on mission in Africa, and they're gonna share with us stories about what God's been doing in and through them.
4: If you wanna look back on this summer and see that you leveled up, not just on the amount of vitamin D you've <laughs> taken up in the past couple months, but also on your knowledge with God, we've got a couple summer classes for you. First, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus recently, the basics class is going to be a great group of people to grow with you as you discover what it means to live your life with Jesus.
3: If you're a parent, maybe you ask this question to yourself like I do a lot. Lord, am I doing a good job honoring you as I raise these little ones, and how can I get better? Well, we've got a parenting class coming up. I want you to know about it. It's based on a video series by Chip Ingram, but it's led by people from our church that are like, I'd call them like the A-list of (laughs) parents and leaders. We got Pastor Jonathan and Mary on the team. We got Kareem and Rennell Smith, and we got Mike and Debbie Rush leading that class. You probably won't wanna miss that one.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm only a cat parent, but I'd still like to take that (laughs) class myself. (laughs) Lastly, we have plenty of ways to make your summer meaningful by serving others. If you're willing to experience life in someone else's shoes and serve in your community, we've got a couple new opportunities coming up for you. First, we're going to be building a team to go to West Virginia in July, and then a couple months later in October, we're going to build a team to partner alongside a envision Cleveland to serve in the city. Both uh, mission trips are gonna have informational meetings next Sunday, and if you have any questions, there's more info in the bulletin.
3: And a couple local ways to serve. We've got Beulah on the Road coming again. This is to our Olmstead campus this year. Uh, This is for those who recently finished kindergarten through, let me get it right, sixth grade. My first grader is gonna be there and cannot wait. Uh, The team of counselors from Beulah Beach partners with the Grace Kids staff and runs the show and does a beautiful job, but we could use help from you uh, hosting some counselors in your home or helping with meal prep or if you'd like to donate to scholarships to make it more feasible for some families to send their kids, those would all be great options to jump in.
4: If you're a little too old to be going to summer camp with Beulah, we do have some more fun stuff going on. We've got our classic car show that's starting up on June 2nd. If you'd love to be in community with those that are coming to Grace to show off their hot rides and uh, even just talk about God with them, or you can also uh, serve at the grill, visit with other guests, and help with uh, set up and tear down, that classic car show is going to be right around the corner here.
3: If you want to learn more about any more of the opportunities that we've shared with you this morning, uh, you can check out our online bulletin. It's really easy there. Also, on that same page, there's a link to give. Uh, it's your giving that makes it possible for us to make a local and global impact. If you're a person that likes to give in person, no worries. We've still got boxes at the doors here in the worship center. You can always come in and bring a check to the church as well.
4: If this is one of your first times visiting with us, we'd just like to say welcome again. And if you're online, you can just click the I'm new button. But if you're in person here, we'd love for you to take a uh, stop at the welcome desk after service. We've got a little gift for you there. Now let's stand and continue worship as we sing one of the original worship songs and just open our hearts back up to God. Amen.
5: control
0: is still in control even in the midst of what we're seeing he's still sovereign he's still ruling, he's still reigning he's still working he's still moving he's in control That never loses power. We bless you, Lord, for what you've done. Your sacrifice, our shield and shepherd, the Lord He is. Can we sing this together? The Lord is my shepherd; He goes before me. He goes before me, defender behind me, no fear in him, I won't fear. give him praise. Not much you can do, but give him glory at that moment. Can you just sing this before I do this prayer? Can you just sing this line with me from a song that I think a lot of us would know? When peace like a river attacks Come on, leaders, church. When
1: sorrow
0: Come on now, church. Give him praise. This is something about the presence of God. Living Word, Jesus. We pray. Can we bow our heads? You said from your words, from your lips, Jesus, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. This gives us the assurance, Jesus, that we sense you nearer when we are wounded, when we're suffering, when we're at a loss for words, when we're feeling alone, Lord, when we're angry, when we're even hurting, and when we're frustrated. To be honest, we see the world and we realize, Lord, that tomorrow truly is not promised today. When we think of the 10 black people who were shopping in Buffalo, the 19 children, same age as my kids and two adults in uvalde texas the senseless war in ukraine that's left millions even displaced homes destroyed it proves a point lord we need you and we still need you we need your abiding presence we need your hope your grace So we are here in this building today as an act of faith, really, to say, God, meet us in our need. Show up differently. Give us our marching orders. Speak life to us through Pastor Tom like never before. We need you, Jesus. Forgive us for when we have disobeyed and not heeded your word. Cleanse us and awaken our hearts to life as we hear your word, Jesus. It is in the only name that can save that I pray, Jesus. Amen.
6: Well, good morning, Grace Church. We're going to continue our study in Romans. If you have your Bible or turn in your smartphone to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And today kind of marks a, a major turning point in the book of Romans because we come across the word here, therefore. And you know that's a very important word. So Romans 1 to 11, Paul has been emphasizing the, the great salvation that God has worked on our behalf through what Jesus did for us. And he was talking about everything that God has done in us and to us and for us and is continuing to do and will do throughout eternity. And then beginning here in chapter 12, verse 1, huge transition into how we should live our daily lives as a result. What is our response to him? So he basically says, God has given us a new life. We're new people. We have a new life in Christ Our new life demands a new lifestyle. So he's really telling us that God is is continually at work within us, but we need to work out in daily life what God is continually working in us. So Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'll read it in the NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, well-pleasing, and perfect will. I also want to say a word of welcome to those at our Olmstead Falls campus and those at our newest campus at Lorraine Correctional. So glad that you're a part of the Grace family and that we can be together to, to worship and study his word. So, Paul is talking here about what are the results of salvation. It's like we have had our inner lives revolutionized by the grace and the power of God in saving us. And now he lives inside of us. His Holy Spirit lives inside of us. And he's constantly at work within us. And so how can we live out our daily life in a way that's pleasing and honoring to him? And the New Testament teaches over and over again that after we become Christians, our lives should, should change. We should grow. But that is not produced by Christ. It's not Christ instead of me. I, I need to cooperate. I have a, heart, a part to play. And it's not me instead of Christ. It's not just my own willpower, my own flesh. I, I, I can't change my life. But it's Christ in me energizing me to change, prompting me, impelling me to cultivate new habits of obedience. It's a dynamic partnership. And and I think what illustrates this well is the story of the guy that that he had a nice house, and there was an empty lot next to his house. And and it looked pretty nasty. It was overgrown with with brush and weeds and all that kind of stuff. And he he got tired of that, so he thought, I'm going to go, and I'm going to clear it out, and I'm going to plant some good soil, and I'm going to plant a flower bed there. And so he worked on that, planted all different kinds of of flowers, and in the spring, it it was just gorgeous with all these beautiful flowers. And one day, he was out there tending to the garden, and somebody was walking down the street, walked past, and said, my, what a beautiful garden God has made. And the guy said, you should have seen it when God had it by himself, right? (laughs) Right? I mean, those of you who garden, you cannot, you, you don't stand there and say, grow beautiful. You can't make the flowers. That, that's something only God can do. But we have a part to play, weeding and fertilizing and watering. And that's what Paul is describing here, um, how God is, is leading us to change and grow and how we are to respond. So let's look at our response to God. And you'll notice here, he, he starts out by talking about our motivation. Why should we do this? What's the motivation? Therefore, I urge you, brothers, <clears throat> in view of God's mercies, in view of the multitude of God's kindness and goodness and mercy to you. What's he talking about? The previous 11 chapters, while you were yet a sinner, resisting him, rebelling against him, Christ died for you and rose again on your behalf. And so you're now in Christ, you've died to your sin, you've been raised up and seen in the heavenly places in Christ, you have the resurrection life and power of Christ flowing into your life every day and he's at work to change you and you owe it all to his grace. God's grace is amazing and Romans has been talking about that, We, we were hell deserving sinners. We didn't do anything to earn or deserve God's mercy but he rinsed us clean and flooded us with his mercy and his goodness and his grace. So he's talking about gratitude. Gratitude, grateful love should be driving our our daily seeking of God and cooperating with him in our lives. And a a key part of of what God has done for us is in Romans 5.5. This is an amazing verse. It says, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And the the Greek verbs are really important here. It says, God's love began to be poured out in our, our hearts at a time in the past, at the moment that we were saved. But God's love continues to flood into our hearts day after day after day. And what that love does in us is it, it kindles, it awakens, it sparks in us a responsive love for God that is fed and fueled by the Holy Spirit every day. 1 John 4, 19 says the same thing in different words. We love, characteristic of, of a Christian, we love God, we love our neighbor. Why? We love because God first loved us. And that awakened a, a response of love in our hearts. What's the first fruit of the Spirit? The first quality that the Holy Spirit produces? What's the first fruit? Love. And so our love for God is, is nourished and replenished by His love for us. And as we remind ourselves daily of this incredible past, present, and future we now have as, as God's people that we didn't deserve, that moves us to, to, to surrender our lives every day to God in a fresh way. And then he goes on to, to say another thing that, that kind of fuels our motivation, and that is we have a new relational status with God. We are new people. We are holy sons and daughters of God, adopted, loved, chosen by him, destined for eternal glory, and he is going to get us there one day. And this makes Christianity unique. Every other religion in the world says, obey God, do this ritual, jump through this hoop in order that you might be accepted and valued and forgiven by God. Christianity alone says the exact opposite. It says, because you have been saved by grace when you weren't looking for it, didn't deserve it, because... You have been accepted and and loved and forgiven by God. Therefore, obey him. Show your gratitude by how you live. Uh, Salvation through the free gift of God. Salvation is not the reason for our salvation. uh, Or I'm sorry, obedience to God, love for God, living for God every day is not... The the reason for our salvation, it's the result of, of our salvation. It's not the cause of our salvation. It is the consequence of our salvation. And so we are new people, and we are being renewed day by day, and God is continually at work in us through the Holy Spirit to help us cultivate new ways of living, new patterns of obedience to God. So the end of verse One is a reminder to keep responding in this grateful way to God. And what does that look like? If we're truly grateful and truly want to please God, we will offer ourselves to him every day as a living sacrifice. We will live before the face of God as a sacrifice of worship that is well-pleasing to him. So our, our response impacts all of our life. You know, we don't have a, a religious compartment of our life and then all the rest of our life. No, th- there's no distinction between the part of our life that is lived before the face of God. Every moment of our life is lived before the face of God. And so our, our worship, our service, our obedience to him, it affects all of our life, um, every part of it not just the religious compartment. And he gives a couple of examples here. First of all, he says, the result of salvation, it impacts, it changes our mindset, our outlook on life, our frame of reference. We have a new sensitivity to God. We we have a new Godward orientation. And so that just doesn't affect what we do. It affects why we do what we do. It affects our motive. And there's a couple of striking examples that Paul gives us. One of them is in First Corinthians 10, 31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Now, what could be more mundane than eating and drinking? But he says now, as a child of God, out of your gratitude for him, out of your love for him, everything you do, even something as simple as eating And drinking should be done with with a heart that is grateful to God. And and if we do that, we are glorifying God. We are pleasing God. So this morning, I drank blueberry-flavored coffee. What a gift from God. (laughs) And oatmeal with banana and blueberries on it to the glory of God. Have you ever thanked God that he created our bodies with taste buds and a beautiful variety of, of delicious foods. So at, at lunch today, when you bow your head before you eat, thank God for creating you with taste buds. Isn't that generosity? God didn't have to do it that way. But we experience his love and his generosity every day. We need to cultivate just that Godward thankful attitude. And then he says something else here really shocking. He says that, That part of our our worship and service to God should involve our secular job. Now, by the way, if I ask you, does anybody here have a secular job? Not one of you should raise your hand because the Bible teaches that all work is sacred. It's pleasing to God, and it should be done for God's glory. Colossians chapter 3, some amazing verses. Paul here is talking to slaves in the Roman Empire. Now, slaves in the Roman Empire were not usually mistreated. They were more like employees, really. Many of them had good working relationships with their, with their, their masters. But look at the shocking thing Paul says in Colossians 3. He, he's speaking to slaves. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anybody here need to repent today, right? That mean, ornery boss of yours, the Bible says that your true boss is actually above him. When you do your job well, when you do it faithfully, when you do it honestly, when you work hard, that is well-pleasing to your true master. And he's gonna reward you in eternity for that. That should revolutionize our view of of our job. Um, I heard about a guy that... uh, he was a Christian, and he went to a seminar that was talking about this, how your work matters to God, and your work is really service and worship to Jesus, and you will be rewarded for that. And after that, whenever, whenever anybody asked him what he did for a living, he said, I'm an ordained plumber, and uh, you, are not, you are an ordained teacher, an ordained manager, an ordained housewife, an ordained retiree. And, and that mindset should begin to govern how we go about our job more and more. Because all of life can be worship and, and service that, that is a well-pleasing sacrifice before God. That's what he calls us to. And then he says one more thing at the end of verse 1 about this worship. And the NIV translated this way this way. If you live all of your life as a living sacrifice to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. That's not a very good translation. The Greek word is logikos. We get the word logical from that word. Nobody has ever loved us as much as Jesus has loved us. Nobody has ever done for us as much as he has done and is doing and will do for us. And isn't it only rational and sensible that we should show our gratitude to him by loving him back, by seeking to please him and worship him in in how we live. And so that's that's the point that Paul is making here. Um, God's love has been poured out within our hearts. And if God loved us enough to send his son Jesus to die for us, to save us, doesn't it make sense that all of God's commands in the Bible are also an expression of his love. Nobody loved you better than, than God did. And every command he gives in the Bible is really for your good. He has your best interests at heart. I love the way Deuteronomy, even in the Old Testament, Moses is giving the laws. You see the loving heart of God shine through. You see his true intention for us in telling us how to live. Deuteronomy 529, oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all of my commands always, so that, what? It might go well with them and their children forever. His commands are an expression of his love, his deep love for us. He wants to spare us from the misery and the heartache that sin brings. And so he appeals to us every day Oh, that you would have a heart to obey me, that it might go well with you and your children after you. I love what a guy named Milton Vincent wrote a book called The Gospel Primer. He's talking about how we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day, how God loved us enough to give Jesus to die, that we might be rinsed clean and made brand new people and spend eternity with him. And he's talking about this issue, that God's commands in his word are really an expression of how much he loves us. So he says this, if God loved me enough to sacrifice his son's life for me, then he must be guided by that same love when he speaks his commandments to me. What com- his commandments really are, they are friendly signposts from a heavenly father who is seeking to love me through each directive so that I might experience his joy and his fullness forever. Now, this is radically countercultural, isn't it? I mean, the world looks at the Christian faith and the ethical teachings of Christianity and think, what a killjoy God is. He's a heavenly killjoy. He wants to rob people of all their fun. You know, the exact opposite is true. I love the way... John Piper talks about this, one of my favorite Piper quotes. He says, God is not a killjoy. No, he is against anything that would kill our joy. The only thing he wants to kill is stuff that would corrupt our souls and bring misery into our lives. So he's not a killjoy. He is against anything that would kill our joy. And and that's what motivates us and guides us when we remind ourselves daily of all the stuff Paul talked about in Romans 1 through 11. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and, and we can walk in newness of life as a result of that. And then we go on to the next part here. And Paul gets specific here. He says, respond to Jesus specifically. Verse two, he gives a couple of specific ways. And there's a negative one, there's a positive one. The first one is protect yourself spiritually, resist the corrupting influence of the world. Literally, the verse is stop letting the world around you corrupt you and squeeze you into its mold. We live in a hostile environment. Amen? The world is no friend to the Christian in his efforts to live a holy life. And so the Bible knows that. So stop letting the world around you squeeze you into its sinful mold. And that means one thing we need to do daily is to avoid any people or places or things that we know are gonna lead us down the path into sin. It also means that that we need to monitor our eye gate and our ear gate. We need to monitor what's coming into our minds and hearts through what we see, what we watch, what we read, what we listen to. And we need to to turn away and resist and try to avoid that as much as we possibly can. And the reason is um, we are either spiritual thermometers that blend in and conform to the environment around us or we are spiritual thermostats which raise the spiritual temperature and improve the spiritual condition of those around, around us. So we're, we're either being corrupted by a sinful world or we are contagious and at, at, at elevating the spiritual condition of those around us. And God wants us to grow to be able to do that more and more. And then he says, keep on receiving from God what, what God wants to, to build in to our lives. Literally, what he says is, be continually metamorphoed is the Greek word. We get an English word from that. What is it? What is it? Metamorphosis, right? He says, allow God to continually metamorpho you from within. And what, is, what does that word mean? It means a deep, inward change that God works that leads to a visible, outward change. And and the truth is that when you become a child of God, when you open the door of your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live deep, deep within your soul at the core of your being to produce the fruit of the Spirit, God-like character qualities and to impel you to live a new way and to engender within you new habits and patterns of living. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's continually transforming us from within, hitting the refresh button on our love for God, our passion for God, our desire to please Him and, and be a blessing to other people. And so we are the metamorphoe in this case. He is the metamorphoer, er and he does that life-transforming work through his Holy Spirit within us. Now, when we think about a, about a metamorphosis, that word, God has given us an amazing, a, amazing example of that in nature. And what animal is metamorphosed? When you think about metaphor, an ugly, gnarly, nasty caterpillar weaves a cocoon, And disappears for a while. And do you know what happens? The the caterpillar is not inside there reading books on aerodynamics and how to fly and, you know, studying up. That gnarly caterpillar is passive. And God created them in such an amazing way that their body releases certain enzymes that sort of melts the inside of the caterpillar into kind of a soupy, Kind of mix. And then by the amazing creativity of God, the cells rearrange themselves into beautiful wings and the antenna. And after a couple of weeks, the, that ugly caterpillar begins to, to nibble a hole and out flies a beautiful butterfly. Aren't you glad that God is in the metamorphosing business? And that's what He does in our lives. He produces these character qualities from within, and they continue to bubble up every day, refresh love for God and hunger for God. And then we just live out by cultivating new habits what he is working in us. And then Paul goes on to say the primary tool that the Holy Spirit uses in this process, be transformed by the ongoing renewing of your mind. Feed your mind with God's truth. The the life-giving, nourishing, vitalizing spiritual food that we need is the word of God. Matthew 4, for man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. As we open our hearts and open our minds and feed them with God's truth every day, the Holy Spirit does His transforming work in our lives. I love the way Luke 6.45 puts it. I'm going to quote it in a little different form than, than is in your outline. But the good man out of the good stored up in his heart brings forth what is good. The evil man out of the evil stored up in his heart brings forth what is evil. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And not just the mouth, but out of the overflow of what we're feeding into our mind and hearts, the mouth speaks, the will chooses, the hand acts. It's an overflow of feeding our mind and heart, storing up the word of God in our mind and heart. That's our food, that's our sustenance. That's what makes us strong spiritually. I read a story about a, uh, a lady that lived by herself and she wanted somebody to talk to, so she went to the pet store, she bought a parrot so she'd have somebody to, to talk to. She brought the parrot home, put it in the cage, and nothing, not a word. So she went back the next day and asked the manager, hey, you know, this thing's not talking, what can I do? He said, oh, buy one of these little mirrors. You know, parrots love mirrors. That'll, that'll get the parrot talking. Didn't work either. So she went back the next day. Oh, oh buy this little plastic stair-step thing for the you know, parrot. Walk up and down. That'll make it happy. That Took it home, nothing. Went back again. Oh, buy the little plastic swing. By the way, my apologies to any of you that have a parrot. You know, Buy the little plastic swing. That'll get still nothing. So she goes back the next day, very sad. The manager says, what happened? She said, well, the, the parrot died. Oh, that's terrible. Did, did the parrot say anything before it died? Yeah, in a very faint whisper, the parrot said, doesn't that pet store sell any pet food? <laughs> you get the point, though, right? You get the point. Okay? We are feeding our minds and hearts every day, all through the day. What are you feeding your mind and heart? It's the Word of God, the truth of God, that the Holy Spirit uses to transform the people of God. And then one last thing. What is the result? I love the end of verse two. What is the result for people who have come to faith in Christ? and are seeking to worship him and show their gratitude in all of life, and are feeding their their souls with God's word, and seeking to cultivate new habits of obedience. End of verse 2, it says, Then, if you're being transformed, if you're cooperating with God, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, well-pleasing, and perfect will. This could be called the test and see principle. Psalm 34, uh, test and see that the Lord is good. Um, What Paul is saying here, what this word means is you will test and see and learn in your own experience that God's will is good and well-pleasing and perfect if you follow him with all all of your heart. This is something that we experience more and more. I can testify this in my own life, how when I've stepped out in faith and pushed myself to obey, I have virtually always experienced and seen and felt that God's will is good. God's will is not always easy, but God's will is good. It's well-pleasing to God, well-pleasing to you, and it's perfect. God's way is the best. God's way is the right way to live. One last illustration here about uh, one of my missionary heroes. There was a missionary named Samuel Zwamer. And back at the end of the 1800s, Samuel Zwamer and his wife and their two very young infant daughters went to the Middle East to, to be missionaries to the Muslim world. And they got there, and it was miserable. The weather was hot. It was blazing hot. It was uncomfortable. The the population was resistant, was not really open to the gospel. Their their work was difficult. But they stayed. They endured. And they came to experience and see and realize that God's way is good and well-pleasing and perfect. And after many, many years of ministry there. This is what Samuel Zwemer said in looking back. And first of all, you have to know that after they had been there a couple of years, their two daughters, one of them was four, one of them was seven, both of their daughters died within eight days of each other because of untreatable tropical diseases. But by the grace of God, they persevered, they they plunged forward, and by God's grace, they endured for, for many, many years and what Samuel Zweimer said as an older man, looking back on his life, listen to the conclusion he drew. Listen to his words. He said, yes, it was difficult, but he says, looking back on it now, the sheer joy of it all comes back. Gladly, gladly would I do it all over again. How do you explain that? He had tasted and seen by his life, by his obedience, he had tasted and seen that God's way is best, God's way is right, that God's will is good and well-pleasing and perfect. And that's what I've experienced so far in my Christian life. Uh, I'm a baby Christian. I've only been saved about 48 years or something like that. Um, But this is my experience too, and I'm sure many of you could testify to the same so God has given himself fully to you in salvation. Won't you give your life fully back to him every day with a fresh commitment, a, a fresh surrender to him? Let's pray and ask, ask for his help. Lord Jesus, nobody has loved us or could possibly love us as much as you have, Lord. You proved it by your death on the cross. And Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you are at work within us constantly, to produce Christ-likeness, to produce your good fruit. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to give ourselves back to you every day, to surrender afresh, to yield to you afresh, and to cooperate with your Holy Spirit in making us into new people. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your amazing grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.
0: Can we stand together, church, as we declare his goodness? We lift our praises to the heavens. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. We declare all our life, He's been faithful. será
6: application points, would you try to spend some time reflecting on what's been flowing into your mind and heart lately? Is there something you need to reduce or something you need to maybe eliminate all the way? And then are there any steps you could take to ramp up the quantity or the quality of your intake of God's word? There have never been more resources, good study Bibles, podcasts, Christian radio, uh, classes here, seminars. So what could you do to, to ramp up the One good thing I would encourage you to do is memorize a couple of verses on God's infinite love for you to keep your heart warm in response to that. And uh, remind yourself, remind yourself, preach the gospel to yourself regularly to keep your heart warm. Hey, have a great holiday weekend. See you next week. God bless you.